The Korean War ran from June 25th of 1950 until July 27th of 1953. During that time, almost 104,000 Americans were wounded and almost 37,000 Americans were killed. I'm Thomas Carroll. Join me while we take a look back at the forgotten faces from a forgotten war. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Forgotten Faces podcast. Join me as we hear the story from PFC Orville Dean. Orville Dean was a member of the 7th Infantry Division. Uh, he fought in Korea. He was part of the last battle for Porkchop Hill. Uh, and he talks about his childhood. He talks about his time in the war. And he spent some time talking about his life after the war. Uh, I really... I really didn't even have to ask any questions. He had his whole story. He told it the way he wanted to tell it, which is how I want these podcast episodes to go. And I mostly just sat and listened and all about the life that uh, Orville Dean has led. So join along. I hope you enjoy his story. <coughs> Lost time in California. <coughs> I came back here. <coughs> Went to Kansas City, went from there to, to uh, uh, hell, uh, Camp Crowder, Missouri. <laughs> Signed in there. They gave us our uniforms and all that stuff there. <laughs> we was there about two days. <laughs> it went from there to Fort Bliss, Texas, where <laughs> I took eight weeks infantry and eight weeks artillery. <laughs> I took eight weeks basic on 120-millimeter aircraft guns and half tracks with quad 50 machine gun mounts on them. <laughs> then I had, uh, after that, I had eight weeks infantry there. And then, uh, after I finished basics there, I went from there to, <laughs> to Fort Ord. <laughs> Lost my record, but stayed there about four days. Went from Fort Ord <laughs> to Fort Lewis. Stayed there a week. Went from there to Fort Lawton, Washington. And <laughs> I stayed there at the Anti-Aircraft Operations Center until December of 53 when I shipped out for Korea. Okay, now you... to Korea, we docked, we docked at Yokohama, Japan. <laughs> I went overseas as a cannoneer on a 120-millimeter aircraft gun. <laughs> we docked at Yokohama, Japan, and I went to uh, a uh, field wire pole line school at Edojima, Japan. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I went over on the General Housey. It was it was nice. Weather was nice leaving. We left Seattle. It was nice. We got out about three days and got into a real bad storm. They locked everybody below below deck. The bow the bow would go up in the air, come down, slap the water, you just make a big noise. And when the bow went down, the fantail screws came out of the water, and that whole ship just I mean it just shuddered. Like they were shaking the bowls out of it from one end to the other, <laughs> and it was doing that, going up and down that way, and rocking back and forth sideways all at the same time. <laughs> that that, <laughs> it that taking eight days going over over like instead of usually do it took us twelve. Yeah, that doesn't sound fun at all. <clears throat> yeah, they put me and another buddy clearing the butcher detail, which clearing the bottom of the ship, <clears throat> and that uh, steward. <laughs> He come down, 
he rolled out a big block of cheese and set two or three boxes of crackers on the counter. And he said, I want to tell you guys something. He said, don't tell them who, I, who told you. But he said, if you just keep your stomach full, eat on this cheese and crackers until we get a cough, you'll be all right. So we ate cheese and crackers, almost ate that whole block of cheese, and, <laughs> and I didn't get sick. <laughs> um, let me go back a second. You were, refresh my memory, you were with uh, the 3rd Infantry Division, right? The 7th? 7th, 7th. I was in the headquarters company, 1st Battalion, 17th Regiment, 7th Division. Okay. All right. I, uh, when I left, when I left Yokohama, <coughs> I went, they, we, I'm with the Seoul. <coughs> They loaded us on trucks and took us up to a little processing center there <coughs> where they gave me a flight jacket, gave me my a web harness, and all them little rings on the flight jacket. <coughs> they hung a hand grenade on each one of them. They gave me a carbine, <coughs> gave me six 30-round clips taped back-to-back, gave me six 15-round clips and a handful of loose shells in my pocket. <laughs> and marched us up. The Chinese was attacking. It was either uh, Yokononko or Arsenal and Erie, one of the other outposts. <laughs> they, they marched us up. We sat right behind the hill on the other side for probably a half mile. We could hear the battle going on. <laughs> but they set, they set us right there behind that hill, ready to go in case they broke through. <laughs> and one buddy looked at me and he said, Holy shit. He said, I didn't need to see this this early and just getting here. <laughs> He didn't know, but I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> but but they, they didn't need us. And after that, from the rest of the time in Korea, I spent all, all my time. I, I was in Korea uh, January of 53 and left in December of 53. I was late getting there. But all the rest of my time in Korea from there, we was in the Port Chop Hill area. Never stayed in any camp very long. The only one I was in for probably a week or two was was at Camp Baker. <laughs> I was in there for a while. I was at Camp Casey, maybe three days. But the rest of the time, <laughs> we were in bunkers or on tents. I was uh, all that time. I was in the Port Chop Hill area. Which you know, uh, field field watchman and board operator. Oh, okay. <laughs> for the last battle for Port Chop Hill. Was the sixth to the eleventh of nineteen fifty of July nineteen fifty three. They on and off of it, on and off of it. <laughs> they didn't know whether the, it was worth keeping, according to what Pam and John was talking about. <laughs> and towards the end, they they finally just walked off and let, let them have it. <laughs> but for those, from the sixth to the eleventh, <laughs> they were pulling like pulling guys. Any of the guys that, whatever they were doing, they were giving them ammunition and sent them to the front. <laughs> well, this other Pete Parada from Santa Rosa, California, <laughs> we were the the main, we were the newest ones there. <laughs> so they stuck us on the, the company switchboard. <laughs> and so to rotate off and on, we spent three hours on and three hours off. <laughs> and they told us whatever we did, they didn't care if they blowed that bunker down around our ears. Keep that switchboard running. We we had a hot a hot loop set up where they had one to the uh, headquarters headquarters company in the rear, the main one. They had one to the mortar company, had one to the 
uh, field artillery, <laughs> and then they had one rushing from each one. If there was any outposts out, they had lines from the outposts just automatically set up. <laughs> and we, we we just had to keep them running. <laughs> if one if one was if one was knocked out, we we either had to get a hold of one of the linemen that was out, or if we couldn't get a hold of one of them linemen, we had to go find it and fix it ourselves. <laughs> so for those, I think it was five days. <laughs> boy, our our bunker was back. Well, Porkchop Hill was lower than most of the other hills there. <laughs> so our our bunker, I, I was three quarters of a mile behind Porkchop Hill, right at the foot of Hill 200, where it made a curve to the supply road. <laughs> and right on the, our bunker was backed up against the, the bottom of the hill, where artillery couldn't get to us. <laughs> but we could look out our bunker door, and artillery shells on, during that deal was exploding probably a half a block or a block in front of where we were. <laughs> and oh. they, they had right on a hill above us, they had a half track with a quad deuce quad 50, and they had a tank on the hill dug in right above us. <laughs> and for those days that the, when the Chinese got on the hill, <laughs> those, those that half track quad 50s and that tank, they were firing almost all the time. <laughs> they fired all the, we was in a bunker, had sandbags and stuff on the top of it, well, those things would fire on top of the hill. There was such a concussion, this little bit of the sand and dust would come down through the top of the bunker. <coughs> but after that, after that was over with, well, the 11th of, of that is when we lost uh, one of the best officers that ever was in the war was Major Billy Fritz. <laughs> he was directing artillery from an uh, outpost uh, to a place they called... Uh, the rat, uh, rat, rat pack or something like that, <laughs> rat's nest or something. They okay. were taking and He was standing in the door of the, the bunker that he was an OP-13, and an artillery shell landed too close there, and it took his head off. Oh, gee. But, <laughs> and after that, that was all over with, Stars and Stripes had a, a paper out. <laughs> they said that area, not just where we were, but that whole area where Porkchop Hill, that whole area in there, said as close as they can figure, the enemy fired about 170 artillery shells uh, on that area during those uh, five or six days, whatever it was. <coughs> wow. That's, that's plenty to keep your head down. Yeah. <laughs> it's, <laughs> that one... That one buddy of mine would he'd go out. <laughs> he was from William Lafayette. That Lafayette down south, and the other guy was from uh, over by you know in Arkansas. But he, uh, Bobby, he was a little bit just a little small. <laughs> so if they'd be out, we they started getting shelled. Bill Owens, he'd run, he was a size guy, he'd run and throw himself on on top of Gil. <laughs> Gil said, what in the hell are you doing that for? He said, well, I'm just trying to save you. He said, yeah, but you're squashing me at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's funny. Um, I'm only curious, what, what did you think of Korea? Uh, of the country itself, I should say. 
So really, really, uh, I would have loved to have seen Korea in peacetime. <laughs> yeah. Korea, Korea is a beautiful country. I would love to see uh, Korea in the peacetime. <laughs> I have a bunch of, uh, I, I carried a August C3 35 millimeter camera, <laughs> and I carried a, a little Brownie 127, and I carried one of them little bitty 16 millimeter Pixie cameras all the time I was over there. <laughs> I got a whole box of pictures. I got a bunch of pictures of uh, of uh, Camp Baker where we were there. <laughs> but K- Korea was a was a beautiful country. <laughs> I have pictures of some of the guys just outside Seoul. Uh, I don't remember whether we were going up or whether we was coming back. <laughs> but uh, I got a picture of a bunch of the guys with some of the Korean kids. We was always giving them our in our rations. We all had the chocolate bars. So we were giving the Korean kids the chocolate bars and giving them our sea rations <laughs> whenever we see the kids. <laughs> there at Fort uh, Baker, <laughs> one day I found I found a little pug, little pug dog that was running around. I got a picture on there of me holding that little pug. Yeah. <laughs> and about a week or so after that, our first sergeant, Sergeant King, he found a little a little pup of some kind that he was got pictures of him holding it. That's only two dogs I've seen while I was over there. Wow. We was there. We knew they were bringing in that big uh, 280 millimeter rail gun, but we didn't know when. And boy, that, that when they shot that and that thing went over our area, it sounded like they had shot a freight train over us. That thing, I mean, it really, <laughs> it really howled. But we didn't. We knew it was in Korea, but we didn't know they was moving it up. A couple of four or five miles behind where we were. <clears throat> oh wow! But it it was it was that's one of those deals where <clears throat> I had a, one one of my brothers. He arrived in Pearl Harbor, December the eighth, nineteen forty one, and my other brother, he was in uh, that five hundred six parachute infantry, hundred first airborne. He was in that band of brothers. <laughs> so, oh really? Wow. All of them. Um, my brother Wilbur, uh, he 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 sent back the he brought back the copies of the newspaper that they printed about the attack on Pearl Harbor. <laughs> I I I sold it to a to a guy. He kept bugging me about it. I sold it to him, and he gave it to the high school up here. <laughs> but uh, he brought it back. There's a couple pages on there. A picture of a battleship roll, the battleship burning and sinking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it said the Arizona sank in eight minutes. Yeah. And then he uh, he was also in uh, those at- atomic tests at Bikini Atoll. It was an Operation Crossroads. <laughs> he had the, the pictures of the test that he, he couldn't even show until about probably eight, nine years ago. They were, he wasn't supposed to do anything with them. <laughs> but anyway, after that, where he could, he uh, he gave them to me, and I, I I copied them off in there. I got them in my computer. He said he was he was on the LCT fourteen twenty salvage ship, and they gave him said they were probably three quarters of a mile, something like that, away from the when they seen the blast. He said they gave him hard hat, covered glasses, and earplugs, <laughs> and he said, boy, he said. When that blast, he said, you could feel the pressure from that blast where he was. But he, he said, what 
what really got him is that when that bomb went off, he said, the man standing beside you, you could see his skeleton. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wow. He said, you, you know, he said, you're not going to believe that. But he said, it was true. He said, when that, when that rat went off, you could see the guy's skeleton, the bones, the guy standing beside you. <laughs> and he said, probably three quarters to an hour after that flash, they were back on some of those ships, that, uh, their old ships, uh, using saltwater hoses trying to wash the radiation off of them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he always thought, he, oh. well, he fell when he was on a, he was on the USS Bushnell subtender, I think it was, fell on a something and screwed up his ribs. <laughs> but after he got out, he was always kind of having trouble. <laughs> but he thought maybe it was, uh, can- uh, you know, cancer from being a radiation nest up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he wrote the VA. Well, they, did, they didn't do hardly anything. They, uh, they, the guy, he took a blood test and, and uh, checked his heart, to how his heart was, and, and uh, checked him for uh, arthritis and that. And then he said, oh, you're, you're off. You're fine. It, it, it wasn't service-connected. <laughs> so he, he just passed here uh, 2017. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It was a, it was a, You don't, you don't know how, you don't know how good you have it till you get in another country like that. <clears throat> I, I had. So, what, what did you do after you came home from the war? <laughs> well, I came home from. <clears throat> Came home from, I uh, came back. I, I I went to Incheon, and the tide was out, so I had to settle my duffel bag with my rifle across the lap, waiting for the tide to come in. So when the tide finally came in, where we could load on the ship, I came back on the General Post, <laughs> and we docked at uh, L.A. <laughs> I went to camp. I can't remember what the hell that name that camp was right there. And, and anyway, I went there, and from there I went to. Camp Carson, Colorado, December 53, and I got discharged there. <coughs> I came back to Hiawatha, Kansas for, to see a, a girlfriend and my grandmother, and then I went to, from there, I went to Topeka, <laughs> and I got a, a jump flight there to Palm Springs, and I went back to Indio, California, and went to work for a date farmer. <coughs> I worked there for, for that date farmer for, well, up to about 1958, I think it was. <laughs> then my boss came out and he said, I got a better job for you. A Safeway pre-pack or Rexford pre-pack at a place there in Indio <laughs> where they they packed uh, carrots and grapefruit and stuff like that. So they got me a job there as dock foreman. <laughs> I stayed there till <laughs> 1959. <clears throat> then my, my daughter was born. Her, she would have convulsions at night. Her, her brain wasn't, I mean, she's okay later on, but her brain wasn't quite stable. She was having convulsions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I moved from there back to St. Joe, Missouri, come back to my grandmother's, and I got a job at uh, Beatty's uh, Produce uh, Grocery Stores. <laughs> I worked for them until they closed. Then I went to work in St. Joe for a place called Richmond Anchor Screw. <laughs> 
I worked for them for a while. Then we went back to California with my aunt or my cousins. <coughs> uh, I went to work for the forestry there, uh, planting little one-inch, 12-inch uh, trees on the side of the mountains where the forest fire burned them off. <coughs> I did that for a while, and then I went to the Placerville Fruit Growers Association, and we were we were making the assault packages for the Air Force. It's like the packages that got a P-38 in it, and it's got a little thing of coffee and sugar. We packed those for the Air Force. <coughs> then I went to, after the, that was through, I went to a place in Sacramento, which uh, you know, of Sacramento, uh, El Dorado Veneer. They made a veneer, like paneling for houses and stuff. <coughs> I did that for a while, and then we came back to Kansas again, <coughs> and I went to work at uh, Wildy, a tool company in Hawatha. <coughs> I worked there for 36 years. I worked there from 1965 up to 2001, <coughs> and then I run a 10,000-pound uh, drop hammer forging. Uh, I don't remember the number of them anymore, but it'd be, you know what water pump pliers are. <coughs> I was uh, forging them. I've done that for probably run that hammer for about 20 years. Wow. Then I got corporal tunnel and tendonitis in my left hand. <laughs> I couldn't do that anymore, so I, I worked up till I was 70. <laughs> and then I quit. <laughs> then after I quit, later on I was in, down at Walmart. I had one of the braces on my left hand, and some old lady there asked me, she said, what are you doing? What? I don't need to be pushy, but <laughs> she said, what's the matter with your hand? And I told her, she said, well, I was looking at stuff on the shelf. She gave me a bottle of a leave. I think it was 500 milligram of leave. She said, my son had the same thing from being in the National Guard. Said he took these, took two a day, one in the morning and one at night. And she said it helped. So I did the same thing. So about six months later, I don't know whether it was in my head or whether I really had tendonitis or that in my arm, but after, but after about six months, I took those a leave. It, it was all gone. I could, I, if I'd have known it then, I could have worked longer. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it was. <laughs> but when I retired, I really retired. After I retired, I never hit a lick. <laughs> you, you certainly stayed busy with your time afterwards, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I was never one, even when I was a kid, when I was 13, 14 years old, I, I, was, I was born in Hawaii, Kansas. When I was three, I moved to Walden, just outside of Kansas City. And at 13, 14 years old, I was stocking shelves in a grocery store. I was working part-time at a, the a feed store there and part-time uh, doing some cleaning and emptying trash at the at the uh, filling station there. <coughs> well, then, what time that wasn't, I couldn't do that. I, I, I'm, I mowed, I mowed, uh, I mowed people's yards. I hoed gardens. I sold clover and salve. I sold uh, flower seeds. 
I sold garden seeds. <coughs> I've done anything I could do to make a little money. Yeah. Our neighbor had a Remington 22 automatic rifle I wanted. <laughs> I hold his garden and mowed his yard for almost a year to, in order to get that 22. <laughs> yes. <coughs> but I was, I was, I was, I was always, when I was, nothing was ever handed to me like it is to kids now. These kids now, if they lived across the street from the school, they'd have to drive. <laughs> I went to grade school in Welburn. Like from our backyard, like there was a place called the right of way where there used to be a streetcar track to run from Kansas City to Ledworth. <laughs> I could look across the, and see the back the football field behind our school. But in the wintertime, back in those days, it snowed. You couldn't see the tops of the fence posts. <laughs> My dad was afraid we'd fall in a ditch or something, so I had to go around through Welburn, and that was about six blocks. <laughs> but for high school, that was out of Bethel. <laughs> that was six miles, and there was no school bus, and the only bus that run was a Greyhound at 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so my brother and I, every morning and every every night, we walked that six miles to school. Wow. <clears throat> you know, no matter what the weather was, my dad worked for the railroad. He was a, a, a Swiftman crew, so in the, in the, when it got bad weather, they had a little booth, like a telephone booth with a little fuel oil heater in it. <laughs> He'd have to stay down there overnight where they could keep the ice uh, out of the switches so the switches would work. <laughs> so sometimes it'd be two or three days before he could come home. <laughs> so my, my brother and I and a neighbor girl, we'd get up a couple hours early before we went to school, and Mama would fix Dad a lunch and a thermos bottle of coffee, and <laughs> we'd take off through the timber and take his, uh, take his thermos lunch down to him. <laughs> Then come back and go to school. <laughs> and then that night we'd do the same thing again, take him down to dinner. Wow. <laughs> but we was I was never one to to just sit around. If it, and a lot of people say, "Oh, I can't find a job." <laughs> I have never been out of a out of a job over a day or two. There was a lot of jobs I turned down because I just didn't want them. <laughs> But I was I was never had any problem finding a job. Yeah, and uh, right now, <clears throat> right now I'm night. I just turned ninety the thirty first of May. <clears throat> Only thing in twenty sixteen, uh, I had to have a heart valve replaced. <clears throat> and I told him I said if you can do it without have to open up my chest, okay. If you if you have to do it that way, I'm not doing it. <clears throat> so they they went on my right side. Right behind the tip, they went between those those rib, ribs there, and they went in at the groin, and they had a place on my chest. They called it the chest guard. <laughs> so they they done it that way. <laughs> so besides that, I'm in, I'm in good shape. Doctor told me the other day, <laughs> he, he said, what are you doing? <laughs> I said, well, when I get up in the morning, said I eat about four or five slices of bacon, a cup of coffee. I drink a, a six couple of slices of toast, and I said I got a bottle of a margarita that's already mixed in the fridge. I got a little plastic thing like you take for cough syrup. Said I take one of them every morning and every night. <laughs> so well, just keep right on what you're doing. He said, "Oh, well, you're healthy as a goddamn horse." But <laughs> <coughs> well, you sound spunky as ever, <laughs> sir. 
Did you sound spunky as ever? Yeah. Yeah, I still, I, I can still, I, I can still, most of my kids, I'm better at shaping my kids. My, my daughter has uh, rheumatoid arthritis. My son that lives with me, since my wife just passed of 9-19-2015. If she'd have made it six more weeks, we'd have been married 60 years. Wow. <coughs> but she didn't. <coughs> that was kind of a, I was in Korea in a switchboard during that battle for Port Top Hill, <laughs> the mail came and he brought us his ears. <clears throat> he said, let me go ahead and take the shift early and go check your mail and everything. So I opened my mail and there was a letter from my a brother showing a picture of his wedding. <clears throat> and on the right side <clears throat> was a picture of my wife. I didn't know her name. I didn't know nothing. <clears throat> or, or see, company sergeant came around and and I said, that's what, right there, that's the woman I'm going to marry when I get home. <laughs> and he, he just chuckled. <clears throat> so when I, got, when I got home and back to Indio, <clears throat> I guess they told the family, told the boss or some of them people about that. <clears throat> so I finally found out her name was Delcy Christine Housley. <clears throat> so her and truth of her friends were walking up the street in front of the date shed. And that guy says, isn't that the girl you were going to marry? said, yeah, and he said, well, how are you going to marry if you don't know her? <laughs> so he said, get your ass out there. So I went out and introduced myself to her, and <laughs> that was in, well, that was about the latter part of 54, and then we, we had about four or five dates, and November 11th of 1955, we were married. <laughs> then we come back here, Nebraska used to always have uh, Korean War veterans reunions, <laughs> And they had one in Grand Island. <laughs> it was 1995. <clears throat> so uh, I went, my wife and my daughter went with me. They had 1,600 Korean veterans there. They had a busload come down from Wyoming. <laughs> but there were 16 of the guys that I was in my wire team in Korea showed up there. <clears throat> so afterwards, <laughs> uh, the Sarge, Sergeant Stack asked me, so where do you live? And I said, how about the Kansas? I said, oh, my daughter has a farm and we're living it. And so they they come down to the, the Havoth and spent, wanted to spend two or three days at the house before they went back. <coughs> Susie got out of the car. He said, did you marry that girl you were talking about and using Korea? I said, yeah. He said, where's she at? She said, i got to see her. And I said, sit right up there on the porch. <laughs> he remembered all that time. <laughs> wow. <coughs> so... <coughs> So we made it almost 60 years. Wow. But, you know, I, I told the kids when I had that heart valve, I guess that was about six hours. <laughs> I told them then. I said, hey, I said, if if, if I go tonight, I said, I, I have had, I've had a fantastic life. I really have. I said, I'm, I'm happy with my life. I had a good wife. I had great kids. Everything's been going doing fine, so I said, if I drop dead tonight, I said, I'm happy. I've had a great life. That's good. Yeah. Fulfilling. <laughs> I think that's the key. Fulfillment. Yeah. Yeah, we had, I like every, everybody else, I mean, we had, there was time we had problems that <laughs> we didn't think we were going to make it, but that's like everybody else. If we had any problems, she hated fishing. Our first date was a fishing trip to the Salton Sea. <laughs> so she she didn't like much of anything I did. 
and I wasn't too crazy about anything she did. <laughs> everybody, everybody bet that we wouldn't be together three months, <laughs> but we we just went along with each other. I went along with what she liked <laughs> from the first from the first date we had. To, to, well, I was working at that date shed. <laughs> I'd go cash my, I just bought a 1951 Ford convertible, 289 flat V8 with overdrive. <laughs> so I, I got my check, I still owed a couple of payments on it. The first, after the, the first date, the next night, I told her to come down when I got my check. I cashed my check, I gave it to her. She went and paid my, paid my bills, put gas tank in the car, come back and pick me up. <laughs> and for almost 60 years, I did the same thing. Whenever I get my check, I signed it, give it to her, and she took care of everything. She was the shrewdest shopper of anybody I ever seen. Well, there for a while, we had a little shop making uh, different kinds of wood crafts. Then we'd go to Hobby Lobby. She'd pick up a piece of wood and say, what's that look like to you? I said, a block of wood. <laughs> she, could, she, could see, she could see what that looked like after she got it finished. <laughs> And we we go to the we go to store. Sometimes we might be a little short. She'd tell me. She said, "Now if you want anything, don't say nothing. Just hold it up." And she said, <laughs> "I got safe. I got a I got 175 dollars for groceries. So I just go along if I wanted something. I I'd, sh- I'd show it to her. Which usually I just thought her she was shrewd. <laughs> but we get up there and they cash cashier get it all typed out. If she said we had 175 for groceries, she, the bill would be about 172, 173, 174, always. She wow. I mean, come within a few dollars of it every time, never miss a lick. She was always that way. Wow, that's that's really good. Yeah, we we had a great. Great life. There are probably some things with <clears throat> some things with well, when we got married I didn't I, I didn't propose to her <clears throat> like most people do. <clears throat> we were in a convertible going to going someplace <clears throat> and I was driving my brother and was on one side and she was sitting behind me and a couple other girls <clears throat> and they were <clears throat> we went to the drive in theater. <clears throat> so the girls, they were getting excited on whatever we was looking and kind of banging the back of the seat. And I told Christy, I said, hey, if you shut up, I'll give you something. So I just reached behind me and handed, handed her the engagement ring. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the way we got, it, got engaged. <laughs> then we were we were going to either get married then or we were going to buy a new 55 Chevy and then get married later. <laughs> so we decided... Then we were going to get married, so instead of getting married right in the hometown where everybody could go, we went to Quartzsize, Arizona, to a justice of the peace. They had to, they had to have somebody who was in a filling station come out to be a witness when we got married. We didn't have a witness. <laughs> so then we got then we come back, and two or three days later after we got married, we created a 51 Ford in for a 1955 Chevy Dole 210. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Sir, I, uh... Thank you again for everybody to listening to the Forgotten Faces podcast. 
You can find our show notes and our blog at ForgottenFacesPodcast.wordpress.com.